Welcome to Dental Brain Crops. This is going to be so much fun today. I love conversing with tenacious business owners. And today we have Kurt Schmidt, the president and partner at Foundry, a rapidly growing privately owned company in software. And he's also the host of um, the Schmidt List podcast, which is a lot about leadership and personal development. I actually really enjoy your show, uh, Kurt. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chelsea. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm the president and also a partner at a company called Foundry based in Minneapolis. And uh, we build and design custom software for organizations, all sorts of organizations, a lot of B2B type places, uh, but also a lot of things that are B2B to C. <laughs> um, and uh, we work with a variety of of industries. And, uh, you know, I started out my career working for a very large company and found that I wasn't very good at that, um, working in a big machine, and then started working my way into smaller agencies. And then over time, uh, we ended up starting our own. And so, yeah, we're about five years in and we've been on the Fortune 5000 fastest growing companies two years in a row. And uh, yeah, we're continuing to see success. So it's been a fun ride. That is so exciting and good for you. Congratulations, by Thank the you. way. Yeah. So tell me, I got to tell you, I was looking through your website and mm -hmm. I saw the coolest thing. I, I go to the about page and I'm looking at your team and these aren't your typical headshots. These are like, I feel like I'm getting to know your team just by looking at their snapshots. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, you know, we learned early on that when you're selling services is that it's not necessarily you're selling a... Uh, outcome as much as you're selling in uh, a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so we learned early on that a lot of people chose us not just because we were really good at building mobile applications or web applications, but because they just loved our team. Mm -hmm. And so we learned early on to highlight the team and to really focus on sharing uh, their unique personalities and their unique perspectives because it had just attracted people. It made it look like a fun place to go to, not just a place to get work done, but a place that they might even want to work at. So um, that was a big sort of uh, aha moment early on in our in our company is that we're selling a service, but it's it's the people who are doing the service that I'm really selling, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And especially like now when people have so many options of right. where to be and where where they don't have to be. Um, yes. yes, you got to highlight your team. Yeah, yeah. Well, providing that autonomy to just be yourself and show up as yourself and then you'll do your best work. And, right. you know, I actually it was so interesting because I first came across your podcast when I was preparing a presentation on the Great Resignation and your podcast popped up in my uh, Google search. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then we bumped into each other in a group that we're both in. And I, and I was like, wait a minute, I think he just shared something about the podcast that I saw before. And so then I connected all the dots. That's so interesting. And so we can't. <laughs> control people and make them want to be, you know, right. in our organizations or make them stay. But I know it's really important to you kind of, and that's just one aspect of it to provide mm -hmm. an environment that people want to be. Yeah. Talk to me yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. So the, the thing early on in my entrepreneurial journey was, is I thought, well, if I can get happy clients, I'll have a happy, you know, like they say, happy wife, happy life, right? Happy clients, <laughs> happy clients, happy life. Yeah. Um, so, but what I found is that you, you can't, you also have to have happy employees, which sounds like obvious, but you usually think, well, they've got a job, they've got benefits, they've got a, um, they're getting everything that they told me they wanted. So they're good. Right. And then I could just focus on the clients. Well, no, 
The thing is, is that in order to um, grow our business, we've had to focus on our employees as much as we focus on our clients. Mm -hmm. And once we've done that, we've retained them longer. But while they're interacting with our client or with our clients, because as the owner of the business, <clears throat> it's pretty rare that I spend a lot of time long term working with that um, client personally. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually people from the team that are interacting with them more so, right? right. So uh, if those people aren't bought into our vision, our mission, our values, and don't live them and breathe them, um, the clients aren't going to care. Uh, they're not going to get that sort of feeling. So they're not going to want to stick around. So it's this uh, cycle that I've learned early on is that if you don't focus on your employees as much as you focus on your customers and your clients, um, you can just kiss both of them goodbye. <laughs> um, and so what we've seen over the last couple of years with the pandemic is, is that people who had the option to leave, um, decided to leave. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, uh, we had to rethink our lives because we we're all stuck inside. Um, a lot of professional women uh, didn't have as great access to uh, 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 childcare. And so they decided to just leave the workforce. Um, you have all these things that impacted this great resignation thing. And it's not over. Um, I, right. I suspect in the next year, we're going to see another 40% turnover in organizations because a lot of the people who left their places during the pandemic are leaving again. <laughs> They're gonna leave again. And if I look back at the people who have left our organization in the last two years, not one person in the last two years who has left our organization is at the place they left us mm -hmm. for. So um, what that tells me is that there is a search going on and if I can't provide enough of that landing zone for them, they're gonna just keep searching. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hitting dentistry really hard. And it's not just that people are leaving a practice, they're leaving sometimes the industry and not right. coming back. And so, exactly. you know, yeah. I think the task becomes making it more attractive to them to want to stay, which includes support and enrichment and developmental yep. opportunities, because people ultimately, I think, want to be a part of something that's growing and moving. They want to contribute. Right. Right. And so if, you know, what we learned with our business was that maybe because we do custom software development and things, it was difficult that it, it had made sense that it, there was just this easy path to that sort of engagement. But what we found was, is that how we positioned our businesses alongside um, events and organizations that were dear, near and dear to our values mm -hmm. made all the difference. So by us going out as a, as a service, and sponsoring events like black tech, black, uh, tech talent, uh, women who code, um, all these different sorts of organizations. It, it helped us align ourselves with our values. And it also showed our employees where we were actually putting our money where our mouth is in our terms of our values. It also opened up the options for them to explore these spaces, to go to these events, to meet people, to grow. Um, that sort of stuff really helped a lot uh, with how we positioned the company. So we didn't just look at like our service and our, our employees would just make all the change. Like we as leaders had to kind of go out there and say, this is the space that is most like what we want to be like. It will never be that place, <laughs> um, but this is the place we want to be aligned with. And so come with us employees, 
come participate in these sorts of things, come to these events. And it was really powerful. Uh, that sounds really powerful. And I think it provides also a lot of reflective opportunities for the team, because as they're going to these things, they're either realizing that they are exactly in the right place and a part right. of something they want to be at, or they're realizing it's just not a good fit. But yes. yeah, I love those efforts to make sure that everybody's on the same page, which probably I would suspect starts with the leaders doing some- 100%. You know, reflective work and understanding what is it exactly like you talked about going to places and saying hey this business is most aligned with what i want to build for myself and my team mm -hmm. yeah we have a very large museum here in minneapolis called the walker art center and mm -hmm. we sponsor their their sort of summer fling every year okay and we're not <clears throat> we're not an art institute we don't create you know that's not the point yeah the point is to show our employees, potential employees, even more so, mm -hmm. right? Is that these are the types of organizations locally that we are aligned with. So if you like their values, you will like our values. Mm -hmm. um, and so our organization can be a vehicle to help you achieve those, those, those sort of goals that you have, even if it's not exactly the type of work that you, you know, you hoped to do for the next 40 years. Um, you know, it gets you closer to those sorts of that sort of world that you want to be a part of. And so for me, it's all about how do we align ourselves as an organization um, outside of the office versus just, you know, when they come in the closed doors, do I have a nice thing with awards up and, um, you know, lots of fancy machinery and things like that. That's nobody cares. Um. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like ultimately just asking yourself, like, are these people better for having been a part of our organization right. or did they have to struggle to be a part of our organization? Right. <clears throat> right. Because if you, you know, let's say you go to a, um, an outdoor festival this year and you see one of the sponsorships is like a lawyer's firm, you might mm -hmm. think like, wait a second, like that's a, place that aligns itself with this outdoor music festival. Like that sounds like an interesting place. Do you know what I mean? It's things yeah. like that where in those, those types of events and those types of sponsorships and those things are not that expensive. They don't take a ton of money, mm -hmm. but again, it is sort of this virtuous, virtual virtue signaling that you are sending out to prospective employees that says, this is the type of place you be working at now, obviously you're not doing outdoor events. <laughs> That's not mm -hmm. the point. The point is, is that your mindset and your values are aligned with these types of organizations. Yeah. I mean, we can become really compartmentalized and be like, okay, 100%. I'm dental. So I'm in dental and I'm looking at other dental industry, you know, dental companies that are doing what I think that dental should <clears throat> be like, or, you know, right. I'm in software, so I should, but actually it's only ever humans interacting and doing business with humans. And so I love that you're being really intentional about bringing that to the forefront and shining a light on who you are so that we can see, you know, everybody can see who you are, what you're offering and why, right. which takes, it still circles back to being incredibly intentional about your own um, thought processes and taking the time to figure that piece out. So I love watching those videos where it's a time-lapse and I, I get to see a building be built in like yeah two minutes or, you know, a sandcastle be built in like three minutes. So tell me kind of like, what is the evolution of this? So you're, you've done mm -hmm. amazing things in five years. Did you always know that you wanted to be in the software industry? Yeah. And that's a great tell me question a little bit about that. 
Yeah, well, my my personal journey. I started out as a as a as a doer. I was a designer and a developer um, mm-hmm. many many years ago, and I found over time when I started um, growing in my career and building my I was being charged with building my first team. Right, and so at a lot of organizations, right, they're like, "Oh, you're the best designer we have, so you can be in charge of the design team." Oh. And so I was like, "That sounds great. Uh, it's a promotion and it's more money." But I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, and so but I did learn over time that uh, I found I was much better at um, uh, rallying the teams um, or I was more organized. And so it eventually became very clear that I was good at managing these teams and growing the teams. Mm-hmm. I was good at um, hiring performance management. Uh, project management, product development, and so I really started focusing my career less on the on the implementation and more on the sort of uh, strategy side of the work. Okay. And, and so I worked in a number of organizations, a lot of fast growing organizations, and basically the bottom line was is I kept yelling at the ownership to change their ways to do things differently, <laughs> till I finally just said, "All right, I have a chance to put up or shut up." So um, went and did our own. Uh, but it took a lot of years to build the confidence mm-hmm. to do that, you know. And like I said, you know, I thought that the thing was to focus on client, 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 and everything else would sort itself out. But I learned very quickly that if my team wasn't providing a service that differentiated us, it didn't matter. I could, you know, all the clients were, I was just replacing clients all the time. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest problem you see, and I'm sure you see this in dentistry, getting new clients is very expensive right. um, versus retaining clients, right? And so for us, very early on, we figured out what our retention strategy was going to be uh, because you can dump a lot of money into marketing just to get bring those new clients in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the retention wasn't in like getting them nice gifts and things. It was training our employees. It was it was making them even more valuable to the clients because, like I said, they're not working with me the whole time that they're working with us. They're working with them right. probably two thirds of the time. So if they're not providing a great um, experience and they are not knowledgeable, um, they don't remember your name. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know. It become, you know, people, people will, people will look elsewhere. Yeah. And you hit, you hit it right on the head with the word experience. That's exactly what I was thinking because, you know, I'm, some people are really sharp, particularly like in high stress situations or arguments. That is not me. I, if I'm in a, you know, a high stress situation, I know how I feel about it, yeah. but I won't be able to rattle off, you know, all of the reasons until after no. the conversations are no, you need time place. To, you, no, you need time to um, absorb it. Yeah. Yeah. But I know how I'm feeling and that's exactly how I reflect on things. So whether I'm at the dentist's office or I'm at Chick-fil-A or I'm at Target, it doesn't really matter. I know what my experience was like, whether or not I can tell you all of the details, why it was either a positive experience or a negative experience. And so that's what you're taking a lot of um, time and deliberation to put together is that experience. You you have to, especially in today's day and age, people demand it. They demand a good experience, right? So if uh, one thing, you know, uh, that I've suggested and we've done is, I mean, have some, have some secret shoppers, uh, um, as part of your practice, mm-hmm. um, have people show up, uh, for an appointment and then, you know, they're specifically there to take notes and document 
everything and nobody knows why they're there. Nobody knows, nobody knows that they're that person and -hmm. they're providing that feedback from an actual experience, right? Because what happens as leaders is we pick up things so anecdotally, right? From side conversations, we see maybe an online review, Mm -hmm. we see all these things and that's what we use to make decisions on, but we're not actually auditing our experience that we're providing in Mm -hmm. a intentional, like the word you used, intentional, which I love, an intentional way to actually create better experiences. So one of the things we did early on was audit our customer journey. And we didn't audit our marketing. We didn't audit our employee. We don't, we audited that, audited that journey. We had some secret shoppers come through and then come back and tell us, this is where I felt like this. This is where I felt like that. And that gave us real actionable information because an online review or an employee saying something on the side, like, oh, I heard the customer complaining down in the Starbucks later. Like that doesn't, I can't make decisions off of that. And if I am, <laughs> and if I am, and those decisions turn out to be wrong, I have only myself to blame. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But you know, here's the thing. I coach a lot about or coach a lot on um competitiveness. And mm-hmm. I think that there is sometimes some unnecessary competitiveness. Now, internal, like making myself stronger, developing, um, those things are good. But when I'm looking outside of myself and focusing on somebody else's business or what somebody oh, else is doing rather yeah. than developing my own, I feel like there's a lot of distraction that takes place and um, stunting that mark. takes place. Yep. Yep. But I, I would the- tell I would tell the dentist just like in software, there's lots of teeth out there. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and there's only so many, there's plenty of work. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, is that there's not a lot of good experiences. Well, and I think underneath that, there's not a lot of, there's like this misconception that there's only one type of good experience. And so mm-hmm. what you're defining of getting clear on the type of business that you operate and making everything and everyone in it align with that vision um, the people that are going to enjoy that type of experience are going to be drawn to you. And the people that aren't are going to go to the next, you know, the next uh, agency yes. that has a different style, a different tone, a different feel. And that's not a bad experience altogether. It's just yep. a bad experience for the wrong person. <laughs> exactly. So let me give you an example of a project we worked on where we did help design some experiences, but it'll give you an idea mm-hmm. of kind of the power of that. So we worked, um, we worked with a home healthcare uh, provider in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And in order to uh, sign up to be uh, a part of the home healthcare network, it was about a four hour application process. Okay. So you had government forms, <clears throat> city forms, state forms, you had a background check. You had all these different things. It, it took about four hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, you know, this is costing us so much money to bring in these new people because of the high cost of engagement. Sometimes people would leave before they were even done because they were like, I just, I didn't plan for this. I didn't. And then they never come back. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we took that process and we digitized it where in a touchscreen application, they could be just sitting there. They can just sign their name once and it signs all the applications oh, all, that's the, nice. <laughs> all the way through. Um, yeah. They put in their address once. It puts in all the addresses through the federal, state, and city forms. Yes. Um, all the way through all this stuff. We got the experience down to less than 20 minutes. And, and um, this p- custom piece of software transformed their business and their, their new hire experience. And 
that was a forward thinking company because to your point, if they would have been thinking about how can I outpace the next home healthcare mm -hmm. person versus how can I get in higher quality employees at a faster clip at a faster pace to match our growth, mm -hmm. that's where they invested their money, but they didn't do it because the owner was like a genius. They went and they audited sort of that experiences <laughs> and uh -huh. came back and said, this is where we're getting the most complaints. So this is where we should focus our money on to solve this problem. And it was a great experience. I just, I really enjoyed working with them and, um, and seeing how that transformed their company. But again, yes, we built this digital tool, but it, at what it was, was to transform that experience. Those people were happening. I mean, I went, I, I mean, you, you talk to dentists all the time. I went to an endodontist or whatever just a few weeks ago. Uh -huh. And the amount of papers that I had to fill out was just ridiculous. Like, mm -hmm. I'm like, really? I thought it was, what year is this? <laughs> um, but the, but they, but, but they had, so, they had some really fancy, uh, machinery in there that clean the air. Um, oh, well, that's yeah. good. <laughs> I, I, I guess that's to give me a good experience. Uh, but well, I pick on them, but you get what I'm saying, right? Is that, yeah. uh, you know, instead of actually going in and auditing their business on where the opportunities are, a lot of times leaders like ourselves, we get so busy and we're so wrapped up in things is that whatever shiny object in front of us looks like something we can crush and move on to the next thing is usually what we focus on. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with that heightened focus, so, so obviously we do really good things with that. What I've noticed, and I even have to work on this with my for myself, is that mm -hmm. sometimes with that intense focus, you can um, misunderstand or be unaware of the level of impact you're having on your team members. Oh, I talk about that a lot, Chelsea. <laughs> you have to understand how much weight you have. Like you might think you're a lapdog, but you're a great Dane. Yes. Um, especially in the office. Um, mm -hmm. you, you take up a lot of space, you give up a lot of visual cues to your employees. Um, you know, I used to talk to this about my partners because they, this was their first time running a business. And I'd say, you know, when we go to lunch kind of shows the rest of the team when it's okay to go to lunch, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and they were like, no, these are adults. And I'm like, no, <laughs> they might be physically adults, but in this place, they are looking to us for direction. And right. so if we're not giving clear direction and they're looking for direction, guess where they get it from? They listen and they watch. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not kind of living your values, if you're not speaking your values, you're giving off um, very different vibes and you can, you can really throw people off because they'll just make up the stories themselves. Absolutely. And that, and that is even more scary than usually what the truth is. I was talking to a client the other day and he was telling me what an awful day it was and why. And he said, but luckily my team didn't notice. And I said, oh no, oh, your they team noticed. noticed. <laughs> Trust me, your team noticed. Oh, they um, noticed. But, but the perception is if I'm not saying it or I'm not projecting, you yeah. know, what's going on, then nobody must be picking it up, you know, picking exactly. up on it. And that's just not the case. It's not and the case. Oh, yeah. you've got it. And, and there's a difference between, you know, burdening your employees with information they don't need. Right. But again, if they don't understand what your priorities are and you're not communicating with them, mm -hmm. then, you know, you can seem like a micromanager. And here's the misconception. I talk about this a lot on my show, um, is that people usually have the wrong um, perception of what micromanagement is. Micromanagement is not just sitting there looking over people's shoulders all day, every day. What mm -hmm. micromanagement is, is it's a reflection on poor management. It's because 
um, you're inconsistent. So some mm -hmm. days you're really engaged and other days you're aloof and consistency is key to great management. If you are inconsistent, what happens is, is what we call the swoop and poop, the, sea, <laughs> the seagull maneuver. <clears throat> Everything's going fine. And then all of a sudden you swoop in and you're like, why aren't these people filling out this stuff? And mm -hmm. you're like, what, what, this is a priority now. I have to drop everything I'm doing to work on this thing now. And then they're gone. They're, they take off mm -hmm. and then they show up three days later and they're like, where's that thing you were working on last week? Well, I stopped working on that because you said, why isn't nobody filling out this form? So I started working on this and they're like, what? No, work on this. That's micromanagement mm -hmm. because you're being inconsistent. So you are forced then into this micromanagement role. And that's something I coach people on all the time. Exactly to your point, Chelsea, is that if you think they're not noticing, um, that's your first mistake. Yeah. So when you're developing yourself as a leader and you're deciding, okay, what is that threshold that I'm comfortable noticing? Cause I'm, you know, I've, mm -hmm. I'm the business leader. So presumably I've done a lot of the jobs that I'm now hiring for. Right. And so I can see that something's either not going yep. right or not as efficient as it could be. What's the threshold of allowing some mistakes to happen and some growth to happen before you step in? And how do you develop that self in that, in yourself as a leader? Well, personally, I think it's pretty easy. You have to first define what good looks like for your people. If you don't define what good looks like and you just keep moving the end goal, the goalpost on them, mm -hmm. then you're never going to achieve it. Mm -hmm. um, so you first, you know, Simon Sinek has a great book called Start With Why. Yes, um, love that book. And so I suggest that to every leader because you have to understand why this is important and explain to people why this is important. So if I want the customer to have a great experience when they come in the door, I have to I have to explain why that's important to people. I can't just assume that they know that a good experience is a good experience. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I have to show them what good looks like, what the outcome, what good looks like to me. Because ultimately, I am accountable and responsible as the owner for what good is, right? And I've had other leaders argue with me and say, well, this is why I hire talented people. I pay these people lots of money. Yes, yes, you do. And so now they should be even more receptive because they're such professional people to what good looks like and why it's important to you. So it's not that they should just know these things out of the gate. That's not your, your business is different than that person's business. Your whys are different than their right. whys. So um, just because they have a long history or a long experience uh, um, working in the same industry doesn't mean they understand your why and why you're doing things differently. So I think it's really key to um, being able to share that. You don't need to tell people how to do their jobs, but you do need to show them what good looks like. Right. Because otherwise they're going to do their best to do what good always up till then has been in their experiences. It's not that they're doing it wrong or bad. It's just it, if, if you're not communicating it and it, by the way, won't hurt to communicate more than is necessary in these types of regards. But right. if, right. if people don't know, they're only going to be able to do what they know. And so mm -hmm. I love that feedback. That's really, that's really great. And so if you are going from, you know, you said the last five years, you're going through this rapid growth. Mm -hmm. I would assume that there is a lot of personal growth that has to go with that and that the standard standard deviation for that is high. And so talk to me a little bit about 
growing yourself as, as you're growing a business. Yeah, that's, that's great, Chelsea. Thank you for asking because um, early on in my career, I did kind of what, um, what a lot of us do is I just went out and read whatever book an old white guy wrote like <laughs> that looks like me <laughs> on leadership. Yeah. Um, and I read all those books. And uh, the thing is, is they're great, but they're mostly theoretical. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of tactical information. I, again, like I said, I love Simon Sinek, but again, a lot of it is very theoretical. Mm -hmm. um, it's not very specific to my business, my customer, my right. employees. It gives me ideas, but then what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. So for me personally, doing the podcast has been um, a real strong personal growth okay. uh, tool. So yeah. putting myself out there, um, going and doing speaking events, mm -hmm. right? Because, uh, you know, my father was a minister. And so, you know, he always taught me um, the people who learn the most are teachers. Um, and so he always had taught me the more I could go out and put myself out there, the more I'm going to learn um, from other people. So going out and doing speaking events, going to industry conferences and networking with folks and, and meeting other colleagues and people and building relationships with them. Cause I've always learned more from people's experience, other people's experiences than I have from books. Mm -hmm. So the better my network was, the more I could go to my network with those questions and those challenges to talk them through um, mm -hmm. versus diving into some book I might've highlighted five years ago and doesn't, doesn't help me. Um, but also sometimes you just need, have you ever heard of the talking to a duck sort of, um, uh, uh, I don't know, analogy? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so sometimes you just need somebody who's a duck, <laughs> somebody, <laughs> somebody who you're like talking through and they're like, uh-huh, and tell me more and tell me more. And then you just end up solving your own problem because you were able to talk it out, right? Yeah. So that's again where that long, uh, that strong network and that trust with those colleagues comes into play. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's been really about building a strong network has helped me grow immensely. Yeah, me too. I am piggybacking off of what you're saying. I think that, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you <laughs> realize it's there. And so sometimes just being even a part of the group that we're, that we're engaged in together, um, you know, you have, you go into it with a question, you get your question answered because somebody else asked it, but now you realize that with that new answer, there's all these other things you've got to figure out or that you're yep. interested in. And so compounding your, your network and your resources is just so powerful. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Network is your net worth, right? So, um, <laughs> so the, the, the better, stronger your network is, right. And they also say, right. You're a, uh, conglomerate of the five people that are, you're mostly yes. surround yourself with. Right. So, you have to keep leveling up your network as you level up your career. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean you have to cast old friends aside and things like that. No, but you need to constantly be leveling up the people that are um, in your network that are professional colleagues of yours and diversifying them too, right? Mm -hmm. So the more that they have the exact same background as you, the more they look exactly like you, um, all those things, right, mm -hmm. um, have been really uh, powerful change agents for me because working in software is primarily a very white male dominated sort of industry. Yeah. Um, and the idea of building my network out has really helped me um, not only build out the diversity in my network I want, but build out the diversity in my team that I want. Um, and uh, that's been really powerful as well. 
Absolutely. And then it just goes back to what we were talking about earlier when you're, we're only ever working with other humans. And so the more that we can understand the way that people Mm -hmm. think, how they feel, how they interpret the world, the better we can serve the people we're working with. And I would just say on the, on the opposite side of that, being willing to be that person for somebody who's, you know, further, you know, at the bottom of the mountain that you've already climbed part of, um, allowing them to expand their network into you want to pay it forward, right? Um, the uh, I always tell people, like you know, part of a big part of my show is me yelling at my twenty-year-old self. Um, <laughs> you know, don't do it this way. Um, but I wouldn't be here without the mistakes that I've made, so I don't have any regrets. Um, I'm I'm Same. not I'm not successful because I was born smarter than anybody else, or I had a better education than anyone else. Um, but I was able to recruit recoup fast from my mistakes that I made and learn from them. And that's why I'm here where I'm at today. Uh, and so for me, part of going on that journey is to be able to be that person for other folks as well. So in my spare time, when I'm not <laughs> taking care of kids or a business, um, I also coach a lot of uh, agency owners and business owners on on how to build a good culture, how to build a safe operation, how to build a strong sales pipeline. And I just enjoy it. I It's not a professional business, but um, it's something that I get a lot of value at um, because just like I said, the more I can put myself in a teaching position, mm-hmm. the faster I learn. Yeah. And I'm sure that you have a lot of people that are really grateful that you're willing to do that as well. If somebody wanted to learn more about what you're doing yeah. or connect with you, what would be, you have the podcast, which I love. The I do. List. Yes. It's on YouTube. It's got a website. Um, but how else, what would, what else yeah. would you recommend? Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, the, uh, I tell you this quick story about the name of the show. So, yeah. you know, when I was starting it, I thought, well, I'll just name this sort of the, you know, leadership in business podcast thing. And I was like, ah, you know, it's boring. And my wife has said, well, you've got this big list of people you want to have on the show. It'd be really funny if you just said, uh, you want to be on my Schmidt list. <laughs> and I think we had had some wine at the time. And so I bought the domain because I thought it was funny. And then yeah. here we are five years later. And it's something it. and people remember it. So I, I enjoy it. Um, yeah. So yeah, you can, if you search for Schmidt List, it's on everywhere you can get a podcast, you know, Spotify to Apple and whatever. But I also mm-hmm. do it live on YouTube. Okay. Um, and I live stream to LinkedIn as well. So the best way, the place I'm probably most active is LinkedIn. Okay. So if you just search for Kurt Schmidt, um, mm-hmm. usually I will, you know, as long as it's in America, <laughs> very German <laughs> name. So make sure, um, you know, you're searching in America. Um, yeah. You'll probably find me and my company's name is Foundry. And uh, we're located in Minneapolis. And uh, yeah, and just reach out. I'm more than happy to chat with folks. Uh, I'm always looking for guests for my show too. And Chelsea, you're going to come on my show Absolutely. sometime. Yeah, so I think, I think it would be a great, I'm always looking for guests. So please reach out. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate your time out of your day and sharing your wisdom and knowledge with everyone. No, thank you, Chelsea. I'm honored to be on the show. I appreciate you. I appreciate you joining me for today's episode. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit dentallife.coach for access to additional coaching tools, as well as more episodes to help you create the dental life you truly desire.